Welcome, everybody, to On the Edge with Eddie Detangling Our Black Identities. I am your host, Eddie Etsy. Again, I'm always excited for you to join our journey exploring all the different shades of Blackness, have real conversations and discussions. Uh, like I always said, our conversations and stories and discussions are not meant to degrade, discourage, or prove a point. Exploring Black identities is all about learning, empowering, giving people a voice, and maybe sometimes be a voice for other people. Hashtag not all Black people are the same. I am super pumped that I have a wonderful lady, a sister or a friend turned sister, um, Ugo, my Nigerian connection. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Ugo. Um, Ugo is crazy basketball player, right? Um, you know, she was part of the Nigerian uh, national team, 2018 African Cup bronze medalist. Um, in 2017, the African Nation, African National Championship with the Nigerian Women's Senior Team. Um, you know, 2016 WNIT Elite Eight, uh, the AAC Conference Semilist in 2016. I mean, she's crazy baller. High school, she was the McDonald All-American nominee. But I have to say, out of all the basketball thing, what I really appreciate about Ugo is she is so real. It's not even funny. Um, I remember the time that she comes to my office and said, I just have like raw conversation about what's happening in life, how she's doing. And, you know, it's great to have someone who I can definitely relate to from the motherland, grew up in America and just, you know, have conversation and talk about things that a lot of people don't understand. Right. So I am so pumped to have Ugo with me. Ugo, welcome to On the Edge with Eddie. How are you doing, sis? I'm so good. I'm so excited. I've been waiting for this for a while, but it, but most importantly, it's just nice to like just be with you. You know, it's been a while, and I I miss being in your office. Like those raw, uncut, real conversations. Like you don't get that all the time. So never. It's not something that I took advantage of, of at all. It's just something I miss miss very dearly. Yeah, I know, right? It's crazy because a lot of times, you know, the little things that we were talking just a second ago about the little things that we don't appreciate. Um, and, you know, having, you know, people that you truly care about just show up in your office and have conversations about random things. It's, you know, one of those little things that we don't appreciate. So it's gone. And then, you know, you miss it. Right. <laughs> and so like, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like, you know, I sit in my office and I keep thinking, is Ugo going to show up? Is Ugo going to show up? And she never shows up. And I have to say, I do miss you, though. I do miss you. So, um, but I'm, yeah, again, I'm glad you're, um, you're joining me to have this conversation about detangling our Black identities. Now, I'm going to start off um, with, you know, how you grew up, right? So you have hardcore Nigerian parents, right? I mean, your name hardcore. is Ugo, right? Hardcore yeah. Nigerian parents. But you were born in the States, um, grew up in a Nigerian home, and you are really an African-American, right? You're the definition of what African-American is. Now, tell me a little bit about what it was like growing up in a Nigerian household um, in America, in New York. 
like thinking about it now, it, it was pretty, it was hard. Like my family is very loving. Um, we're very close, um, very real. Um, but like with all the stuff that's going on in the world right now, like you have so much time to reflect on your past and you just think about the things that like happened. Um, like my parents were very, very big on um, education. You know, we had to get good grades before we, you know, participated in any sports or activities. Um, and my parents worked really hard. Like my dad was worked on Wall Street. My mom was a lawyer. So like they were, if they were not home with us, they were at work. Like they didn't really have much time to have fun, you know? Um, but like, that's their version of grinding. Like they came from Nigeria to live a better life. Um, and their better life is providing for their children, which is their legacy. Um, it's so, it's such an interesting question because um, I think growing up in a Nigerian household in America, you're so focused on success yep. that you forget about emotions. So um, like, I, I don't remember, like, I know we loved each other um, and we said it, but I don't remember us saying it all the time. Right. We, our version of, you know, showing love was, is different, you know? Um, I, I remember like wanting my parents to show up for my activities a lot more than they could have, you know, like not realizing how important it was for the, their presence to be there. Mm. Um, I do remember me playing on like all white basketball or all white soccer teams and like being the only black girl on the team and my parents not being there. So I can, I can only imagine like the assumptions um, that people were saying about like my family, not knowing that I come from a family of great success. Right. Um, I, I do remember the other day I was actually going to Trader Joe's and I ran into one of my uh, elementary school friends, high school friends, um, parents, uh, fathers, he was running. And she, he and um, him and her used to take me to like my soccer games all the time because like my parents couldn't make it um, for whatever reason. And he actually told me that like, there was like rumors going on that like, you know, why can't her parents come? What's going on? Is it's something going on in their home? Like, and I, and like, this is like 20 years later and like, he's revealing to this and like, yeah, him telling me that hurt now because of what's going on in the world. Yeah. But I think for that aside, I appreciate the fact that he didn't listen to it and he knew the type of family I came from and he kept driving me no matter what. Like yeah. he kept showing up, picking me up whenever I needed a ride. There was never a time that was like, no, I, you couldn't get a ride. Um, and I just, and that just proves to me the type of neighborhood that I grew up in where, you know, family came first, we help each other, whoever needs a ride, who needs, you know, babysitting. Um, I didn't grow up in a place that was secluded in thought or secluded in resources we shared. Um, you know, my neighbors were all white. They took care of us when our parents, you know, were working late. They made us food. They showed up for our games. Um, I just vividly remember being always one of few black people in my black people in my classrooms, mm -hmm. um, on my sports teams, in activities. I was in AP classes. I was in, you know, I was always on the honor roll, um, and I was always one of the few. I didn't really care though, because yeah. like my parents only showed me success. I never saw what failure looked like. So like I, they, I had aunts that were pharmacists and aunts and uncles that were lawyers and aunts and uncles that were doctors and cousins that were in PhD schools. Like I never knew anything other than that. You know, like when I'm growing up, I wanted to be a forensic scientist or a judge or a lawyer or, you know, a professor. I wanted to be these big things because that's all my parents showed me. Um, so there, it's, it's not a surprise why my siblings and I are so successful today because my parents didn't dim our lights or you know or tell us you know what we could not do like they 
gave us a, a platform. You know, we, we know we come from black privilege. We know that not all black people grew up the way we did. We, we know we have a platform and that they gave us a platform to succeed. Like we had no other option because like nothing happened to us. We had everything that we needed. So let me, so it's, it, yeah, you're absolutely right. Because, you know, part of having African parents is the, the, the education, right? I mean, you, you don't have a choice whether or not no, you want not to succeed or fail, right? Because, you know, talking about the way they actually got to the United States to begin with and their struggles and what they went through, and then they got here and they're like, you know what, I am here to make sure my children are successful. They're educated because there's so many resources here. Um, and it, you don't have any option at all, right? But to be successful. Um, but like you were saying, you know, a lot of times the way African parents show love is different from how maybe American parents show love, right? Because right. I don't actually remember even in my childhood life ever hearing my my mom or dad say I love you right right but it's crazy because even though they don't say it I feel it every day right I mean yeah, they walk out absolutely. I mean, yeah they they show it every day and without actually even saying it and you know and you internalize that and yes they might not show up for a soccer game or a basketball game but you're always like yes they are busy going to school and you know yeah. trying to make life better for us um but you mentioned you know growing up you're sort of one of the the black only black in a lot of your school classes and sporting events um at that age did that even mean anything to you at all like did you did you think you were different or did that mean anything to you no, like I, I think about that question. I think about that all the time. I, I think about if I felt small, if I felt weird, like, yeah, those feelings like weirdness, small, like, yeah, but like to the point where like, it completely like told me like, Ooh, you're not good enough. No, I never, ever thought I was never good enough. I always thought I was either the best or I was going to be the best. or I was going to kiss your, kick your ass. Like I was going to be number one. Like I never felt that I was inferior to anybody. And I think that has a lot to do with me being one of the few black people because I was tall. My name is Ugo. I'm Nigerian. Like I'm already, I've already set myself aside. And on top of that, like, I felt like I had like this aura around me that like anytime I walked into the room, I just like demanded attention without me even speaking. So like I, I, before I even like, I, I would go to games, my basketball games. And I was like averaging like triple doubles in high school. And like, before I even played, the girls would already be scared of me because of like, they just, they just hear stories about the type of basketball player I am, you know, I'm um, in high school, like I, I minded my business. I had, you know, a lot of friends, um, but I had the same best friend from seventh through 12th grade. We were like inseparable. Like I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't into like anything that wasn't in my path. I was very focused on basketball and school. And I knew that I wanted to play basketball in college. Um, but I, I can't, I, I just always, I've just always been very disciplined um, I never cared what other people thought. Um, I, and I, and I, and I, I don't know why I didn't, I don't know why I, <clears throat> excuse me, I wasn't interested in being popular or I wasn't interested in, you know, boys at that age, or I wasn't interested in like hanging out or partying and stuff like that. I was just always focused on something ahead of me that was going to make me big or bigger than I, what I was. And I think because I just minded my business and stayed in my lane, um, uh, good things happen to me. I, I know that sounds really cliche, but growing up, I know like Black History Month, we'd watch Roots and I'd be like, oh, like, you know, I would, I, I would feel weird, but I also knew that like, well, that's not my family, you know, like my parents just got here. So there's no way that 
I can relate to this. My parents just got here and we're right. and they're establishing generational wealth right now as we speak. My yeah. family weren't, we, we were not a part of slavery at all. Um, and that's something that I need to reiterate to my children because they need to know that they, they not, they're not part of this American history that is taught in textbooks. Right. Um, so like when February, you know, when February comes and it's Black History Month or when all these like racial injustice and social unrest is happening, you know, they need to be aware of their history, but they also need to know that they necessarily were not a part of it at all. Um, like, I don't know what my family was doing at that time. I really would like to know. Um, but no, I never, I never felt uh, weird. Um, like, I can't think of a time where I was just like, oh, wow, like that was really messed up. And, you know, no, yeah. I just, do you I remember that's my parents. Well, so do you, let me ask you this. Do you remember a time that um, you were treated differently because of the color of your skin, one, or do you remember a time that you were just like, wait, that's strange. Why are they looking at me like that? Because I mean, honestly, you are like a towering, beautiful yeah. woman, right? I mean, you're not, you're like tall, black, beautiful woman. Like, <laughs> Thanks, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just like, when I look at you, I'm like, I'm looking up the whole time, right? And, you know, like, again, so growing up, did you ever, or were you ever in a situation that, um, or do you even remember the first time you experienced any form of um, unfair treatment or racism or anything like that? Um, no, and I and the reason why I say that is because I, I think I was my mind was so far removed from looking at the world that black and as black and white at that age that mm. you know I was just thinking about okay like I can be whatever I want to be and my dad said that I can do this so because he said I can do this I'm going to do this and no one's going to stop me I know things happen there's no way nothing happened I know things happen I know things affected me but like I've just been so like I'm gonna get it I'm gonna get it I'm gonna still do it I'm gonna still do that like it's just like at the back of my mind and then sometimes I'm just like oh crap like that did happen and and things are coming back to me but like to the point where unfair treatment after unfair treatment after unfair treatment after unfair treatment which is the case for a lot of other people it wasn't for me but I do know things did happen I just don't know remember the first time I do remember if, I remember of times like I know I felt very weird you know I, I didn't really like February, you know, when we were growing up because of Black History Month, I didn't like learning about slavery. Right. Um, I know when we are, we were in AP classes like AP World or AP Euro, AP um, American Gov, and they'd be talking about like, you know, affirmative action. And like my classmate would be like, well, I don't think affirmative action is, you know, good. And I'm just looking at them like, you're crazy. Like, I don't understand why you would think something like that. Like, of course it's good. It's giving people an upper, an, you know, people who are you know, underrepresented or not might not have the opportunity, an opportunity to have this ha live a reasonable life, not even to get ahead, just live mm -hmm. a, a reasonable life. Yep. Um, but like, I just go, I, mean, I just remember going through high school, like having an older brother that was good in sports and having a little brother that was good in sports and having a little sister who was brilliant. Like, yeah, my, my, my experience is just completely different from a lot of people, but I do know I suffered just not as bad as everyone else, you know? Right. Um, and I, and again, like, I think that has a lot to do with my parents because like my parents are not coming here competing with white people. They're like, they're not, they, they could care less about what their white counterparts are doing. They're going to do right by their family and their family is their biggest reason for living. It's their legacy. So if, if that means like, Hey, if Johnny got an A, you got to get an A plus, you know, yep. that's, that's the only type of competition that 
that's the only time they're gonna bring white into our household, you know? Right. Um, if like, you know, this person, if, you know, Marie scored 12 points, you gotta score 13, that is it. It was never like, you know, they're trying to put us down. No, we, we just, are, they just raised us in a way that we were just always, you know, A personalities, you know, we're always go-getters. The empowerment. Um, so, yes. Yeah. So what would you tell, again, part of the conversation is a lot of times because of how, you know, we grew up in the sort of the African home, right? We don't really, we don't look at racism um, the way maybe our, you know, Black American friends look at it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've had conversation with people that say, well, you know, you Africans are, you know, you sold us into slavery and it's your mm-hmm. fault, there's slavery and stuff like that. You know, and, you know, again, I watched, the first time I watched Roots, <laughs> right? It's was, movie to watch. You know, it was crazy because when we started watching it, I was like, oh my God, my people, right? right. Hey! my people and then all of a sudden there's all this like shooting and killing and people being stuffed and suffering and mm-hmm. brought to america and being whipped and stuff like that and i was like wait i don't get that right yeah so <laughs> so my, my question is the way we were brought up we don't really look at you know those things as sort of racism or unfair treatment right we don't we don't look at the injustices as sort of a roadblock for us to be successful. Um, And for me, I don't think that is the same for maybe the black Americans in the United States. Um, Just speak a little bit to, you know, if you've had experience, like if you had black American friends who look at it differently than you or look at it differently than we do. um, And how does that, how does that make you feel? Right. Because a lot of times I see things and I'm like, you know what, that's not my fight. Yeah, <laughs> right? I, I totally. I'm, I'm I like, get, that's not my fight. You know, yeah, I yeah. get I get it's in, injustice for, you know, you know, these groups of people. But right. that's not my fight. And people look at me like right. black. I'm like, yeah, so no, I'm, I'm not going there. That's yeah. not my fight. Yeah. Have you experienced the same thing? What do you think about that? Yeah. And like, this is why I really miss our conversations, because there's not that many people that I can art. I can articulate my thoughts and they get it right away, you know? Um, and like you, when we talked, like I would be able to like say bits and pieces of what I'm thinking and you would formulate, use my words and formulate a sentence and be like, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying because like we have a similar upbringing. Um, I've been told that I sound white or I act white or I'm an Oreo, you know, by like the black community and right. like by the white community. Like I've been, you know, my hair has been touched. I've I've been asked like what like what you know about our food you know about slavery like I there's no happy medium and I think not now but I think um I I tried to find an identity like where I belong um I not not like in society but like with myself like how do I identify confidently with who I am because like I don't identify with either side um like I'm I, I'm a Nigerian African American you know that lives in Long Island, you know, that's, that's weird. That's a weird to a lot of people. Like when I was in Iowa, people were like, oh, you're from New York. You're, you're from Queens, Brooklyn, Staten Island, Manhattan. No, I'm, I'm not, you know, like, and like, when I say that I'm not, they look at me like I'm crazy. Like as if I have to repeat myself for them to be convinced that I don't know where I'm from, you know? Um, and then when I tell black people that I'm from Long Island, they're all like, you're not really from New York. Like that's, that's something else, you know, like that's, right. that's yeah. on the outside, you know? Yep. Um, so it's like, I, I can't make anybody happy, you know? Like the white people are, are disappointed that I'm not struggling 
and the black people are, are disappointed that I'm doing well. You know, I, 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 I don't know. It's, it's a, it's, and it's a very like tough, touchy subject because you don't want to offend anybody. You don't want people to think that you think you're better in them. Right. Um, and I don't like, I really don't. I am who I am. I, I can't change who I am for anybody. I'm sorry that I talk a certain way. I'm sorry that I was raised someplace. I'm sorry that, you know, you know, I'm, I'm doing well. I don't know. I, I, I can't apologize for things that, for the way I am. And it's just a, it's a very, um, it's not a, it's not a nice feeling to have at all. Um, I, I do remember um, a lot of the, the black kids that I grew up with um, in my elementary school and my middle school, and my high school, we all came from like similar backgrounds. Like our, we were first generation, you know, our parents just immigrated, you know, 20 years ago. So we were all in the same boat. Did we like immediately flock to each other and discuss like our insecurities? No, because like, what do we know at the age of eight? You know, um, did we voice our opinions when we turned 16 about, you know, affirmative action? Yes, because, you know, we're growing. Um, I, I, I don't know, it's just a, I have a best friend that's white that I can, I, I have very, a lot of similarities with because like we have similar, we, we play basketball, we have the same faith, we have a big family, um, we're family oriented, we're goal driven, like, and I have a best friend that's black who is the same exact way, but she's, I've been with her since I've been, you know, 12 years old. I have a guy best friend, two guy best friends, you know, I have a gay best friend. Like, it's just like, people are different and it's okay. You know, and I feel like they think that the world will start, stop if they go outside their comfort zone. Um, and I, and I, and I am grateful to have been brought up in New York because I realized that it has created, um, a perspective, um, where I can see people for who they are and not judge, you know, right. You're from Iowa. Okay, cool. Right. I, yeah. I understand why you think why you think, you know, you're from Cali. Oh, I got you. You know, um, that's cool. You know, you're from Texas. That's why you think right the way you think. Right. All right. Fine. I'm yeah. not going to I'm not going to go through my life like navigating who and who I can and who I cannot talk to, who I should, right. who I shouldn't hate, who's bad, who's good. Because it's not my business. Like right. if you're it's not, not in your circle, fight. If yeah. you know, what I mean, it's it's not I don't I can't go through life like having this much rage in me. You know, I'm going to do what I need to do to inspire women, Um, you know, have my own family yep. bring up beautiful babies and teach them right from wrong. Um, but in terms of, you know, I can't, you know, and, but the thing is like, I remember when Trayvon, Trayvon Martin um, was murdered, the Black Lives Matter um, movement started. And I was just, I was confused. I was like, probably like 17 years old or, or something. And I was like, wow, like Black Lives Matter, like protests, like this is, this is big, but it literally went through one ear and out the other. Like I did not understand it, whatever. You know, fast forward 10 yep. years, yep. you know, fast forward 10 years and I moved to Iowa, you know, for two and a half years. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, you know, like I am so embarrassed about how I've like neglected my black identity, how I didn't understand the struggle of like black Americans um, that I didn't know what was really going on. Microaggressions, um, white supremacists, you know, gaslighting. Like I didn't know any of that stuff till I turned like 27, 26, 27. And I was just so embarrassed with myself that I didn't try harder to connect with that side because yeah. yes, I am an African-American, but at the end of the day to America, I'm just a black person, you know? Right. And yeah. I never, I, and I, I think I failed myself up until the age of 27 to understand that part of my identity. 
Right. Um, I'm getting, you know, this past year, I've, I've read a lot of books and listened to a lot of podcasts and had a lot of conversations. And I have mentors who, you know, you know, lift me up and talk to me a lot. But up until recently, I was lost in, in, in that area, you know, um, and I'm, so, I'm, I'm very ashamed to, <laughs> to say it because it's embarrassing. It's really, really well, embarrassing. Here's a crazy thing, though, and I don't mean to um, um, take your thoughts away. Here's a crazy thing about that. Um, if you flip that, right? So, yeah. and again, it's, you know, for me, I didn't even know or understand what the word racism actually meant until I was in college, right? Right. And again, it's not because we don't care or it's not because we don't, we, we don't experience the, the injustice that, you know, the rest of the Black people feel. But again, as having an African parent or, you know, having the sort of understanding our background, there are a lot of things that we don't really care for, right? Yeah. <laughs> and one seriously, of that, like they just yeah, don't care. Exactly. One of the things that we truly care for is being successful, regardless of how people treat you, right? Right. Um, you know, and so yeah, it does not mean we, we're not bent on fighting the fight for everybody. No, that's not what it means. It just seems that it just like we there, there's things that we care for that really you know triggers us to be successful and you know it's not the same thing that other people that triggers other people right but let me flip this one of the issues that i have when i go back to ghana and i'm sure you have the same experience is when you go to ghana and when you go to nigeria and you know where you play for the nigerian national team and you got to nigeria when you get there you're not nigerian right you are treated Mm -hmm. like you're a foreigner Right. Right. Which is crazy because now here you are back at home with your people, same name, same color skin, same everything. But yet you're still being treated like a foreigner. Right. Tell me about that. You you experienced that. Right. How 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 does that make you feel? (laughs) I I mean, I've I've been going back to Nigeria since I've been little. Like I've been there plenty of time. My parents made sure that we knew where we came from. Like starting from a young age, like I would hang out with my cousins and yep. they would make fun of the way that I pronounced my name. Like I say Ugo and they were like, you pronounce your name like a white girl, you know? Um, and I'm like, I, I don't know what that means. I really don't understand when people tell me that, like, this is yep. how I talk. Like, how am I supposed to say my name? Um, and, or like how I would write just simple right like I write like I'm a five-year-old like it's always some type of criticism from either side um and this is coming from family you know it's not just friends or white people it's coming from family I've been told that like my skin's so clear you know and it's, it's just it's like it's crazy you know that I have like clear skin um that you know my quiet my quiet nature is just like it's weird because I'm not loud and and I don't, you know, want to like be in every, I don't know. It's just, I just have a really different disposition and I'm, and I'm for the most part, right. calm, cool, collected. And I just mind my business, but um, they, I, when I go to Nigeria, like they're very receptive. They're, they're happy. I'm, I'm here, but they have their own criticisms and rightly so, you know, like, I'm pretty sure they would love to switch lives with me in a matter of a heartbeat. But um, I, I've been criticized by my own people. Um, I kind of, I, I was like, took my head to the side. I'm just like, did you guys really just say that? But, you know, why, I don't think it's a matter of like race, you know, or skin color or like anything there. I think it's just class, you know, like 
And I think they have that those problems in Nigeria within their own country. Like the richer people get certain resources that they're able to live a certain, a more reasonable life. And then the poorer people don't get those resources. So they live a life where they're struggling and always wanting, excuse me. Um, it's a class thing. It's a class thing. Um, I mean, I don't go there to showboat. I'm not trying to like, you know, wear Yeezys and like carry an LV bag. Like I'm just yep. going there yep. to relax and hang out with like my cousins and stuff like that. It's, yep. it's, 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 an, it's very interesting. It's very, very interesting. And I'm, and I can't wait for all these like articles and document documentaries to come out about like this type of thinking. Um, because I don't think people know that sometimes they're doing it. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yep. They, they, yep. they think I'm living a life that's pure gold and I, and everything's great and happiness, but not knowing that I'm, I have my own struggles and I'm going right. through my own journey and like, you know, not everything is not, the streets are not paved in gold. Um, right. Whereas I, I don't look <laughs> to them and I don't think that, you know, they're poor, you know, I, I think like they are happy because they have what they have and that's what it is, you know, yes, right. they want more, but like, who's to say that, that their version of happiness isn't happiness. Right. You know, and, and they're, they're thinking here, like, I'm happy, but like, you know, I would, I would like less, you know, to do more with less, you know, I would like to live in a remote area and just like be with the people I love and play and, you know, be outside. A good time. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the type of life I want. I don't want to be working no nine to five and traffic and, you know, paint, you know, like it's, that's just my mindset. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And I, I kind of see, I saw a lot of that stuff happen when I got older and when I was growing. So like now I'm, I'm basically a woman and like, right. You know, I look different and it's, it's, it's weird. It's very weird. And there's no happy medium. And right. I know it's just how I have to rationalize it in my head to like deal with these things. Right. Let's talk, let's talk about your womanhood, right? Because <laughs> yeah. you're a woman now, of course. Right. And you came from, you know, New York and, you know, in New York, there's, there, there's a lot of black people in New York. Like, let's just put yes. it that. And you come to Iowa, right. For work. Okay. Yeah. Now I have to be honest. When I got to Iowa, there was a cultural shock, right? And the yeah, little absolutely. one or two black people that I met in back in like 1993, I was like, oh my God, black people, right? But again, hashtag not all black people are the same. One. Right. And two, the the mentality in the Midwest is completely different from the East Coast, right? So you're in your womanhood, you get to Iowa, you move here for a job, you're very excited, a great um you know program that you're going to be part of and there is a culture shock right yeah. now tell me a little bit about how you sort of um navigated those the microaggressions and and the 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 seriously the the issue surrounding being a tall black woman mm-hmm. in iowa where it's mostly white people right um so I know you've like t- talked about like my accolades, but like I play professionally. I've, I've lived in Spain, Portugal, Argentina. I've been to, I've played in Turkey. I've played in Ethiopia, Angola, Mali, Nigeria, like all these crazy places, let alone like I've been like almost everywhere in the States. Yep. With my family, I've traveled like all across the globe because my parents are very like big travelers. I've never ever felt so more, more out of place than I did when I arrived in Iowa. Mm. Um, it was a huge culture shock for me. I was, I felt so uncomfortable. Talk about small and inferior. Like it like slapped me across the face. Um, right. It was like, it was like this like heavy umbrella just weighing on me every single day. Just telling me that like, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. For I don't know why it was just, 
it was just like something around like in the air mm-hmm. um i think you know the place is backwards you know i i and like i i appreciate the simplicity the calmness the nature the quietness of the midwest or like of iowa but i do i know that i've been around the world to make this you know conclusion right you know i don't think they they leave i don't think they um take the time to get to know other people from different backgrounds i don't think they have genuine conversations i think they're so quick to judge based on what they see whether that's through the media on tv or in magazines or in books um whereas like me like i have seen poverty in like almost every country that i've been in i've seen you know success in almost every country that i've been i've seen i've talked to so many people of different backgrounds you know i have like just such an open perspective on life and i come here to iowa and i see such a closed-minded perspective and it i just don't understand why like kindness is like a foreign language here um but like not just kindness like hey how are you like a genuine kind of kindness like getting to know somebody and understanding why they are the way they are like tell me about your parents or tell me you know how your parents arrived in the states or like tell me about your playing career or whatever um i i i had very high expectations i'm not first of all i'm not stupid like i moved from new york to iowa like i i knew what i was doing yeah i'm, I'm not dumb i'm not getting into right you know yep. right you know um i also am not afraid to get outside my comfort zone like i i know that you know i've been on the east coast for a majority of my life i wanted something different um and i'm not afraid of a challenge you know right. um i had high I, I didn't have high expectations i had zero expectations i was just what it is it's going to be you know i know i'm going to be one of the and they're not gonna be a lot of black people i didn't you know i researched and i was like oh god you know like i i didn't have any expectations and i left very disappointed mm. um yeah do do i care for do i care for it that much no um i just know it's not my job to convince white people to be better white people i right. i really don't care that much um i think i i tried to have genuine conversations i think i i tried to get people to see me in a different light that's not like how they portray women or black people on tv mm-hmm. but at the end of the day it is not my job i love basketball you know right. i love inspiring women i love being on the court i love being a part of a team and achieving things together um but i could care less whether they get it or they don't get it because right. at this point you guys are in your 50s 40s you know 60s and if you can't see what you, what's going on then that's not on me and i think i i tried my hardest to explain my perspective i think i tried my hardest to explain my experience i've been told that things were going to change um i've been told that i've added value to the you know to to like an experience by speaking up i've been told that they want to be better allies and it's just literally like nothing it's like fluff when when is that gonna happen right yes you know you're telling me something (laughs) like it's all about the talk right right all day but when is actually action going right right? and it's like i'm like there's no way i have stupid written across my forehead he's like i I don't need to stay here like there's so many other places around the world that would love to have an Ugo. Like, I don't have to stay here. Um, right. 
and I and I and I think they forget that like for a lot of like black people that work in Iowa, um, especially like at the University of Iowa, like it's a privilege to have us, you know, like as mm-hmm. if like we can't go anywhere else. But right. me, I don't have a child. I don't have a husband. Like I can float around the world if I want to. And like until I'm ready to settle down, I have a different type of expectation for myself. I can go wherever I want. I know that that's not the same for everybody else. Um, on, and on the outside looking in, like I've had like my friends and my family be like, well, you should have said more. You should have done this. Um, you should have told them I would have never taken that. You know, I would have never let, let them talk to me that way. And I'm like, you weren't there. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? Like yep. you weren't, you yeah. were not yeah. there. So there's no way you can tell me that you would have done this or you would have handled this, this handle it this situation. You do not know what it's like to be one of 16 black black employees working at a place when there's like 300 white people and a majority of the white people are talking to you in a way that's very condescending or ignoring you or overpowering you or like even neglecting to give you things like there's no way you're telling me you would have you would have been like no after no you would have not done that like you, if you done you would have gotten fired like there's I and it just drives me insane that everyone has an answer for what they would have done it's really not as easy as people think people think you, it is, right yeah yeah you and, I, and and i'm just like well like in my head i'm like eddie didn't leave like how come eddie didn't leave you know what i mean right. like you, <laughs> yep. it, well, it doesn't make any sense like here's like one of the best people i've ever met in my world who's you know and i think about all the friends that i've left behind and i'm like they're still there and they're still struggling in their own way and i pray for them every night but like they can't leave because it is a job Right. It puts food on their table. It pays their bills. Like you can't just get up and leave. And where I had the privilege to do that. And it's a privilege, you know? And then on the, on the flip side too, you know, there are times that again, it's, you get to a point, um, you just sort of ignore the the noise, right? <laughs> you know, like me personally, I don't, I don't pay attention to negativity, right? right. Um, you know, people, again, people are always going to be negative. People are always going to talk bad about you. People are always going to talk about how you did this, how you didn't do this and blah, blah, blah. You know, for me personally, it's just like, you know what? Yeah, they're going to happen. And yeah. indirectly, I am controlling their thoughts, right? Because yeah. they're busy talking about me and, you know, thinking all these negative things about me. And and I'm just not going to mind them. Right. And then yeah. just create this, you know, I guess this illusion for them that, you know what, I, I, I honestly don't care about you, which again, it's true. I yeah. don't care about them, but, but, you know, it's crazy. Like you said, you know, you have to be in that situation to understand what's going on. Because again, part of the microaggression that happened in sort of the Midwest and even in Iowa is, you know, those microaggressions are not big, big things, right? They're yeah. not, like, they're not going to be in your face racist things. They're really little, little things, right? Like, you know, yeah. someone will see you and call you a different name, knowing very well who you are, right? Right. right. Or make a comment about, oh, wait, aren't you too old to be an athlete, right? Yeah. So, you know, those little, little things are what really, you know, drives the the unfair, you know, treatment within in in our community. And it's not just that something big is going to happen and then you just up and leave. But if you pay attention to those little, little things over time and then, you know, take all of those things personally, it's going to drive you crazy. You know, a lot of times, (laughs) You have to be in the space to understand 
what is going on, right? right. And, and, and understand I, that. <laughs> it's so it's so crazy that everyone's like, well, like this should have happened. Or like, I would have never, and I'm like, bro, it's, yeah. it's really not that simple. It's not that simple at all. Like at the end of the day, you need the money, you know, you yeah. need to work. All this you, and you're not and you're not gonna and you're not gonna leave and the, the worst thing to do is leave without class you know right. you always want to be kind and generous because you don't know the power these people have right. um but like it's little things like you said it's not like they're wearing a noose around their neck or they have like the kkk hoodie up on top of them or they have like they're doing like the nazi sign it's yep. like not holding the door for you or not giving you the resources you need to do your job or not or responding say, to oh, or 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 they're like you ask them how are you and they're like i'm good and then they ask you how are you and then they walk away yes <laughs> right yes like, or, it's right. like they ask you how you're doing with the intention of do they really care how you're doing no no absolutely not why would they because <laughs> right. like and and that and that's the, the crazy part is like if the days that they do um want to get to know you it's like mm-hmm. Oh, so you, you, you had, there's something there's, um, they're undermining you. So they're trying to find out information. It's right. not, it's not right. genuine. Yep. So like Easy they're talking to you because they, they, they're trying to figure out like, right. why are you here? So instead of asking you like, Hey, like, so tell me about your journey. They're like, so like, Iowa must be really different for you. You know, like, it, right. you know, it's kind of crazy that you're like, you're, you, you're not a player. Then what are you doing here? Like, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me like what do you mean what am i doing here like or or um and and one of the things that i think about all the time is like um when people are questioning me like why did i leave or like why didn't you do more or stuff like that i'm like three white women attacked me one day at work (laughs) because they couldn't believe that i worked there Right. I didn't have a hoodie on. I didn't had. I didn't have a gun in my hand. I wasn't walking around with a, like a keg or anything. I had my Iowa gear, my athleisure gear. I were. I was like ten steps from my office, and three white women came and attacked me, because they didn't know who I was. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, yeah. I don't have time for this. Like everything yep. about everything about it was just bad energy. Like why would I want to sit there and continue to suffer, when I'm not getting anything? From, no one's helping me. Okay. And then when people have to, and when people, when I confront like people about the story, nothing changes. Yeah. Yep. True. true. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm looking to like, <laughs> you know, I'm looking to colleagues or like the department or like the university to like combat this issue and to make sure it doesn't happen again to somebody else. And you guys don't do anything about it. So why would I feel comfortable to stay in a place where it doesn't have my back? Right. Yeah. Yep. And again, like you said, I mean, you're an absolutely absolutely talented young woman and you know they're lucky to have you so if you're not appreciated you might go somewhere else right um so it's really not that hard like it's like right yeah you had me you didn't have me i'm out like it's not that it's i'm not gonna be disrespectful i'm gonna do everything the right way but like i i think and i mean this can be me like my cocky side coming out i think it's one of the biggest regrets of the department you know like i they never got to use me in a way that my the next institution or another program or another company will use me because like in a matter of 10 years, I'm praying to God, I'm going to be a head coach and I'm going to have a platform to speak of my experiences, you know, and like best believe I'm going to talk about my experiences, you know, or like, um, or they're going to see me on TV one day and be like, that could have been her here. You know, I could, they didn't use me the way I thought they were going to use me. And, but I think I used them 
to get what or, I want, you know? Exactly. Um, exactly. Or you wouldn't push to the best of your abilities either, right? You yeah, and I tried I tried my hardest, yeah. Yep. yeah. So um, before I let you go, again, I don't want to stop the conversation, but... Uh, <laughs> I can go on forever. <laughs> we, we can go on forever. Two incidents that I want to talk about real quickly, um, and then I'll let you go. The first incident is you were in the elevator with someone, and you were all dressed up and they ask you are you in the band okay yeah that's the first incident and you know we'll talk a little bit about that and then the second incident is um you went to the uh uh, african-american museum in iowa and there's this tour person talking about you know uh some nigerian culture and you were like um excuse me you're saying the name wrong and they got pissed (laughs) yeah right yeah so let's talk about about the elevator incident for a second um and then we can talk about the other one (laughs) i'm trying to remember what game it was but um yeah i was heading down to the floor for a game and i was like dressed i don't know how to find a dress on or like like nice pants and a top and um the elevator there's a guy who's working the elevator so basically helping um the fans go up from uh floor four to floor to first floor whatever and I'm going down the stairs, I'm wearing heels, and he looks at me, this white guy, overweight, um, mustache, whatever, not, not, literally not thinking anything about him because I'm like, he looks like like a white father, like my friend's, like my friend's white father. It's not that big of a deal. So, um, you know, smiling, like, hi, how are you, whatever. And I'm thinking we're gonna have a genuine relationship conversation because he's working on the elevator. So like, you have to be able to talk to people if you're gonna work on the elevator. Yeah. This man tells me, asked me, he's like, hey, are you a part of the band? And I kind of, I, for a second, I just kind of, I look down at my outfit. I look at my shirt. I look at my pants. I look at my heels. I look at the things that I'm carrying. I'm like, how on earth did this man think that I'm a part of the band? Where, where the, the band members were just on the elevator before I was, and they have Iowa band on their shirt. And yep. they're carrying their trumpets, their it's trombones. Yeah. Yeah. all their musical instruments i am carrying a clipboard and my game day binder and i'm dressed up as if i'm going to a regular nine to five job right and i and i was just like my god so i was going to ignore the comment but i'm like i just want to know why he thought thinks that so i asked the guy i'm like hey like why do you think i'm a part of the band and he just shrugs his shoulders he's like i don't know <laughs> right and I, I just look at him i'm like oh my gosh like just say anything like literally you guys just say they just say any that i and that's not even the worst of the worst that i've heard you know like they would just any just to make a conversation they will just say the most bizarre thing ever and i could have sat there and i could have insulted him about the job that he's doing you know i could have insulted him about what he how he looks but like why would i like why would i stoop myself to that level there's no point point. i mean you think what you think why why should i convince you otherwise like i'm not gonna live my life I'm not going to define my life by your perception of me. That's what you think, you know? Um, And I'm like, and it, it doesn't bother me to say, it's just, it's just idiotic because like, those are the people I work, I work with every day. You know, it's like, it's like, that's what you do. February. I've been there since July. Like, are you serious? Um, And then the, African American Museum. Um, we went to the African American Museum as a team. Uh, before did we do that, that, I want to explain something again. I, I want to make sure people understand that we it, 
this is not about the band, right? The, no, the, the story is not. not about the band. You know, the band, Iowa band is fabulous. They do a great job. Um, and, you know, they have great conductors and stuff like that. But the band usually wears a uniform when they come into play, right? Um, you know, and so the idea of, you know, you walking into the elevator and then somebody thinking that you're part of the band, um, it's not about, it's not about the band. It's about how you were, you have, you felt when treated in that elevator, right? Yeah. They could have been like, oh, hey, how are you doing? Or what yeah. do you do? Yeah, could have right? said anything else exactly. besides, because right. he perceives of... me as something wrong, like yep. something that I, okay. So my take is he perceives, perceived me as anything other than a professional. Right. You know, there's no exactly. way I could be on staff. There's no right. way I could be a doctor. There's no way I can be an engineer because I'm a young black woman. Right. You know, there's no way, instead of asking me and having a conversation, he's already decided who I am to who you him. were. Yep, exactly. And, that, that's, and that's, that's not that's fair. The point. Yeah, that's the point that we want to drive because yes. this is not about, you know, it, it's, a, it's not about, again, the man. It's about somebody deciding who you are as soon as you walk into a space without right. actually getting to know you're having a conversation um, with you to understand who you are. But yeah just making up their mind about who you are before you get there. So I, anyway, yeah. I wanted to clarify that. Tell me about the story um, at, at the museum. <laughs> yes. So um, it's probably like this time last year, um, we had to go as a team to the African-American History Museum in Cedar Rapids, um, mm -hmm. Iowa. Did not want to go, like didn't feel a need to go because like, why do I need to go with people to learn about African-American history? Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's not my job again to convince white people to be better white people, but I understand it's a team activity. Right. Um, so I went, had an attitude, you know, I, I just didn't, I didn't want to be there because like at this point there had been so many things that had been going on at my journey there, in my journey there, that I was just like, this is just another thing. Like, why do I have to do this? Like, this is just ridiculous. Um, I have been, I had been going through my own microaggressions. People are saying things, crazy things to me in an elevator. Like people are asking me what I'm doing here. People can't yeah. believe I'm on staff. Like I'm always mistaking it for a player. I've been asked if I have a child, like all these things. Um, so I'm, we're at the museum and we're all huddled and the, uh, the museum person, I don't the know tour, what the, the, the what? The tour guy? Yeah, the tour guy. Um, he's a white man. And I'm upset because like, I'm not saying that white people can't teach African-American history. I'm not saying that, but I just expected for a black person to teach us about African-American history. Um, and so this white guy is talking about African history, African-American history. So whatever, we're listening. And the first series of the museum, we stop at like the slave trade. Um, and he talks, he's showing like some, how the slaves were shipped and like there's a boat where you can see how they were stacked on top of each other. Mm -hmm. um, and there's like some things on display. Um, and he talks, he says, he, there's a couple of tribes in, like there's actually a lot of tribes in Nigeria. I'm of Igbo tribe. And there's a lot of other people. There's Hausa, there's Yoruba, there's Edo, there's all types of tribes. Meaning that like, I'm from New York, I'm from California. Like that's literally what it means. Um, so uh, where he's talking about something about Nigerian culture. 
and he mispronounces Yoruba. He says Yoruba. And I was baffled, absolutely <laughs> taken aback. Because yep. my thing is, you're, if you're a historian, if you're a historian, teach correctly. Teach correctly. Like you have, with history, you're given facts. Yep. Like there's dates, there's events, there's people involved. Like, and you've done this so many times, you should be able to do it in your sleep. Pronounce it correctly. Who taught you how to say Yoruba? Like, why did, why did you feel like, how did, how did you not know how to pronounce it properly? If you're a historian, how do you not know how to pronounce it properly? And if you feel that you're not saying it correctly or you don't want to offend anybody, why didn't you Google like how to say it properly? So he's saying it wrong and I'm just hot. Like I'm so, I'm not even of Yoruba (laughs) tribe. I'm Igbo, but there's, there was a girl, there was a player, a young woman on our team that was from a Yoruba tribe. And, you know, after the tour, I'm like, hey, like, did you hear that? She's like, yeah. Like, I didn't know what, I didn't know what he was talking about. I'm like, it's not my tribe he's mentioning. There's no way, because that's not how you pronounce it. And, you know, she's young, so I'm, I'm pretty sure she's not as hot as me because like she still has a lot to learn. Right. Um, but I go up to the, um, the tour person and I'm like, hey, I just want to let you know that you pronounced Yoruba wrong. Um, you said Yoruba, but it's Yoruba. I just want to let you know, just because like you never know the type of people you have in your, you know, in the group. Sure, right. Yep. You might have someone who's of Yoruba tribe, and you want to make sure you're respecting their culture. Um, and he got upset with me that you know this black person came to him to correct him, and he's like, well, like that's who, that's how I was taught. That's how the person who I learned this from taught me how to say it. Well, he, she, he or she is wrong too, you know? I'm, I'm not I'm not coming at you guys. Like, right. I understand you guys did, you know, a decent job, but I'm just saying like, I'm letting, I'm from Nigeria. I'm letting you know how to pronounce it. So the next time you guys do a tour and, you know, maybe one in every hundred person in, in a group might be from Yoruba tribe, you know, yeah. let them at least feel some type of like, honor that you're pronouncing it right like okay white boy you know how to pronounce my tribe like you know what i mean like not like putting your head down because you know what i mean it's just it it made me upset because i'm trying to help you and you're getting an attitude with me about about a culture that you're not even a part of you're just talking about have you even been to nigeria right have you even talked to somebody from a yoruba tribe (laughs) but i've been there i have friends of that tribe and i'm telling you how to pronounce it and you're upset with me and that was literally you know my life there like i could not say anything without people feeling some type of way or you know squinting their eyes or making their face somehow um being aggressive and being aggressive (laughs) and then god forbid i was the on the other end i mean on the other side of the aggressive and i'm the aggressor and i'm then now you become the angry black woman so it's like it's like again another weird happy medium how do i get what i want without being emotional yeah. But without, but without being soft, you know, like I, I don't want people to take my kindness for weakness, but I also don't want people to see me emotional and become that angry black woman. And it's hard. Yeah, it is. It's hard. very hard, especially when you're in a place that's dominated by white people. I have no problem with white people. I swear, I love white people, but like, <laughs> I, I just don't understand why in a professional work setting, it is so hard to communicate. You know, and and I and I and I know that it. It didn't, it, you know, that, that's what was happening last year. 
Right. But I know it's still happening this year because like my friends that are working there are still struggling. <laughs> Nothing has changed. Yep. Nothing has changed. Is it ever going to change though, right? Again, um, we are uh, talking to Ugo. Um, you know, on the edge with Eddie. Um, it has been amazing conversation. I am definitely going to have you back to continue our conversation because we have so much to talk about, so much to catch up with. Um, you know, so what, one of the things that I do with all of my guests is I give, give you one minute to send a message out to the world, right? Now, I didn't, I didn't prepare you for this. So again, give me one minute. You're on the spot. What do you want to tell the world right now? One minute, go. Uh, this is this is hard. Um, I mean, I I'm I'm proud of myself. You know, I'm and I'm always going to be proud of myself. Um, I'm again. I told you earlier, like I mind my own business and I work hard and I keep good people around me always. And I'm not in and I'm not in competition with anybody, ever. Right. And I think that's my biggest motivation because. I'm not comparing or contrasting my journey to anybody else's. So there's only one, there's only one person I see all the time and it's always me. Um, so if I'm getting energy that doesn't make sense along my path, like I, I, I gotta get it out. I gotta get it. I don't care how much money it is. I don't care how famous you are. I don't care where you're taking me. If you don't make sense to me at all, I don't want you in my aura. And because I don't want to be unhappy. And if you don't make me happy, I don't, I don't have time for it. You know, so I just feel like people need to realize that um, your space, it should always be carried with honor. Like anybody you let in, it's a privilege. Don't just open yourself up to anybody. And if you do and you're and it's not working out, then leave. Yeah. Don't suffer in a place in silence. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Again, you're on the edge with Eddie detangling black identities. That was my friend, my little sister, um, uh, a good family. You know, Ugo, all the way from New York. Um, I am going to leave you with this. Nobody can go back and start a new beginning, but anyone can start today and make a new ending. I'm on the air. I'm, I'm Eddie Etty. I'm your host, and we're out. Thank you for joining us. Until next time. Thanks. Stay woke. <laughs>